Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. It's time for the quarterly listener question show, in which I answer a bunch of your quick questions. First, here's Tracy. Hi, Mignon. This is Tracy from Atlanta, Georgia. I love your podcast, and I appreciate everything you share with us. I've always wondered... Is there a word to describe the opposite of ripe, as in a ripe piece of fruit? I often find myself saying, this is not ripe yet, as in the bananas aren't ripe enough to use yet. But is there a word for that? Thanks so much. I know if there's an answer, you'll find it for me. Bye. Thanks, Tracy. I had to think about this a bit. Green works in some cases. For example, I'd talk about green bananas and fried green tomatoes, but it doesn't always work. A Granny Smith apple is green whether it's ripe or not, for example. According to Edam Online, people have been using green this way since the 14th century, and it's also where we get the idea of inexperienced people being green. But when green doesn't make sense or doesn't sound right, the only alternatives I could think of were unripe and immature. Thanks for the question. Hi. Um, I just started listening to your podcast, and I love it. I was outside on my porch on Sunday afternoon doing or Sunday morning doing a crossword puzzle, and I came across a clue, which was bury the blank. So, of course, I wrote in bury the lead, L-E-A-D, but the answer ended up being L-E-D-E. So I would love to hear, because they're both right, technically, uh, which one we should be using in our modern day writing. Uh, And once again, I love your podcast, and I will definitely write you an Apple review. Great question. For those of you who don't know, the lead is the opening of a story, and it's usually supposed to be the most important part. It's a common term in journalism, and writers are told not to bury the lead. In other words, not to hide the most important information halfway down the article or among other distractions. So now, journalists often spell lead L-E-D-E, because in the old days, typesetters doing newspaper layout used metal letters made of lead. And since lead and lead are both spelled L-E-A-D, supposedly it could cause confusion in newsrooms, and the L-E-D-E spelling for story leads became popular. 
As for what you should use today, crossword puzzles aside, in a Q&A from 2016, the Associated Press style book says to spell it L-E-A-D and calls the L-E-D-E spelling journalism jargon. Thanks for the question and for writing a review. Why do so many people pronounce the word P-R-E-V-E-N-T, prevent? Why do they pronounce it pervent? I need to know. Everyone, newscasters, broadcasters, radio hosts, television personalities, authors, you name it. Why? I am so sorry this is causing you to feel frustrated. I've never heard anyone say pervent that I can remember, but it made me think of people saying purdy for pretty, which is the result of a common linguistic phenomenon called metathesis, which just means switching the sounds of letters or syllables, and comes from a Greek word that means to transpose. Other examples are preserve for preserve and prescription instead of prescription. Although it's definitely not exclusive to words with the letter R, a lot of the examples I can think of or came across did have that letter. For example, tornado comes from the Spanish tronada, and in Old English and some parts of Middle English, the word bird was originally pronounced brid. In fact, the Oxford English Dictionary says it was pronounced this way even in the 1800s in some regions of England, such as the Midlands and Northern England. The OED also has some examples of acorn being pronounced acron and credits metathesis, and says that until the 16th century, the word we say as third was pronounced thrid, again crediting the modern pronunciation to metathesis, or the tendency to switch sounds around. The entry for the word prevent doesn't show any old spellings that started with per instead of pre, though, so prevent isn't a case where it was the original pronunciation and we changed it with metathesis. It's a case where metathesis is apparently happening now, and for some people, changing the pronunciation away from the original. Because I've never personally heard prevent, I was curious how widespread it is and did a Twitter poll. As I'm recording this, about 87% of people said they'd never heard it, 10% say they've heard it but don't say it, and 3% of people say they say it that way themselves. The only two people who told me where they frequently hear it or they say it are both from Canada. And here's an interesting piece of metathesis-related trivia I didn't know. According to the American Name Society, Oprah Winfrey's actual first name is spelled O-R-P-H-A, Orpha, after a character in the Book of Ruth in the Bible, but her family always pronounced it Oprah. Thanks for the question. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. 
Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate <laughs> is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then with phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Next, I have a call from Roger. I'm very concerned with the loss of two words that don't mean anything anymore. First word is incredible, which is used, misused every night on the evening news. And the other word is awesome, which is no longer awesome. As in, may I have a cup of coffee? Yes, here you go. Awesome. Roger is right that these words have lost the force of their meaning. Incredible used to mean beyond belief, and awesome used to mean truly awe-inspiring. It's something that happens regularly with language, though. It's so common that it actually has a name, semantic bleaching. Think of it as a word's meaning fading or getting weaker. Terrible and horrible are two more words that used to have a much more dramatic meaning than they do today, but again, semantic bleaching made them milder. And next, we'll talk about fulsome, because Roger mentioned that word, too, in a follow-up call. I was surprised to find that way back in 1977, the Washington Post had an article describing the changing meaning of fulsome, explaining that it had originally meant offensive to good taste, especially from excess. And that, quote-unquote, now, back in 1977, people are using it to mean merely excessive or even just abundant or plentiful. So it's been happening for quite a while. Folsom has an interesting and wide history, though, and the earliest meaning in the Oxford English Dictionary, going way back to 1325, really way back compared to 1977, that that earliest meaning is the one some people object to today, abundant or plentiful. Surprise! Other meanings over the centuries include fleshy and corpulent, wearisome from excess or repetition, heavy or difficult to digest, foul-smelling, and more. 
Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of English Usage says objections to the positive meaning are largely American and actually go back farther than the 70s. They say objections started to start in earnest in the late 1940s or early 1950s. Today, Garner's Modern English Usage says the offensive-to-normal tastes and abundant-to-excess meaning is still the best one, but acknowledges that the more positive meaning is widespread, especially in phrases such as fulsome praise, meaning something like lavish praise. Garner suggests that fulsome is a skunked term, meaning no matter how you use it, somebody's going to think you're getting it wrong. And Merriam-Webster agrees, saying, quote, If you're tempted to use fulsome, remember that it's quite likely to be misunderstood by both the innocent reader and the gimlet-eyed purist unless your context makes your intended meaning abundantly clear, unquote. And for what it's worth, the AP Stylebook still holds the line and says not to use fulsome to mean lavish or profuse. Thanks for the interesting question. And finally today, we'll end with a familect story and an interesting correction. Hi, Mignon. This is Ricardo Llamas. Uh, I have a familect for you, as well as a, um, a little correction from a recent episode you had. The, our familect is um, my older daughter. When she was about four or five years old, um, I started introducing her to concepts in movies like a MacGuffin. Um, I'm a big movie buff, so um, I wanted to show that in her. And then one day when my wife and I were getting breakfast at a Starbucks, she started asking us, well, what MacGuffin are you going to get? And so from there on, we started calling any breakfast sandwich uh, a MacGuffin. So that's our little family. Um, one correction that I had for you, recently you talked about capitalizing the names for drinks and you said that a margarita was a name in Spanish. Uh, while that is true, uh, that word also, also means daisy. It actually means the flower uh, daisy uh, or margarita. And naturally that's where the etymology of the, of the name for the drink comes from. It's a variation of a drink in English that's called the daisy except it has tequila and um, and some other ingredients that are more Mexican. And so it was called a margarita. So anyway, um, while it is a name, um, it's also a flower, and therefore you could capitalize it or not capitalize it, uh, capitalize it depending on, you know, if you're following Chicago or any other style guide. Anyway, just thought uh, you would like to know that. I, I love your um, I, I love your podcast. And uh, really, really enjoyed listening to, uh, to it every single week. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks so much for all of that, Ricardo. First, for people who don't know, a MacGuffin is a plot device. It's something that drives the plot. For example, the ring in The Lord of the Rings, the statuette in The Maltese Falcon, and the horcruxes in the Harry Potter series are all MacGuffins. Alfred Hitchcock often used the technique and was the one who started calling it a MacGuffin, which likely came from a Scottish story Hitchcock liked about a particularly meaningless plot element, an apparatus for trapping lions in the Scottish Highlands, which actually harbor no lions. In a lecture in 1939, Hitchcock said a MacGuffin was, quote, the mechanical element that usually crops up in any story. In crook stories, it's always the necklace, and in spy stories, it's always the papers, unquote. 
Now, with regard to the daisy and the margarita, thank you again. I'm always happy to learn a new Spanish word. And I did more research, and the daisy is indeed the drink that came before and gave rise to the margarita. For example, the Oxford English Dictionary says to compare the margarita to a different drink, the tequila daisy. And the first use of margarita for the cocktail was around 1950. By comparison, Cooking Light says the daisy dates back to the mid-1800s, was popular well into the next century, and over time evolved into the margarita. Thanks to everyone for your calls and interesting stories and questions. I'll do another listener question show in a few months. Grammar Girl is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sims, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our ad operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our intern is Brendan Pika. And our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings, who's been practicing insight meditation for three years and still feels like a newbie. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.